All right, so Bhagavad Gita as it is. Chapter 11, the universal form. I'm going to start on text 35 tonight. Basically, we're at the point where Arjuna's, I guess you could say, seen enough. <laughs> he's, he reached, he's reached the limit of, his, of the capacity of his, his, uh, of his capacity to absorb all, of, uh, all that Krishna's displayed to him. Being in friendship with Krishna, a very nice loving relationship, a friend, friendly relationship, but uh, upon seeing the universal form, it was explained that his, his friendliness uh, changed over into wonder. And we notice throughout these verses that uh, there's different, different expressions, uh, all these secondary symptoms, uh, ecstatic symptoms that uh, Arjuna experienced uh, in relationship to the universal form, starting with wonder, and then he was actually, you know, he was overtaken with fear at one point. You can just imagine. These relationships for a devotee are always relishable. Uh, so... It's uh, hard for us con- to conceive of, of, of that, but uh, uh, even when a devotee is in fear or a devotee with, is uh, in shock, which is also a, an ecstatic symptom, it's not like in this world, it's on the spiritual platform. And even in this world, we see people actually, even in the, in the height of distress, that there is there's a a sentiment that comes through there's tears in the eyes there's you know so even in the height of distress in the material world there's some experiences which give us a glimpse into what it must be like to, to have ex- true ecstatic symptoms so i was thinking tonight we would there's a couple verses here that are interesting as far as to chant them oh well just i'll give you a little bit of information that i uh in one of the commentaries, I believe it was uh, Baladevidya Bhushan's, text number 36, this is actually a mantra that can be chanted for protection from, uh, from demoniac forces. So if you ever need some protection, if you feel you're being ghostly haunted or harassed by some demoniac force, you need go no further than Bhagavad Gita. Uh, this verse is a prayer by Arjuna, Prayer is is basically a prayer to Krishna, where Arjuna is, is saying that you know the world becomes joyful upon hearing your name, and thus everybody becomes attached to you. But the demons are afraid, uh, and they flee here and there. Chapter eleven, on page five five eighty one. But I thought we would chant uh, text number forty. Nama prastata pristataste namostute sarvata eva sarva ananta viryamita vikramastvam sarvam samap nosi tatosi sarva. Majanachumanandasya janajana salakaya chakshur militanyeda tasmai shri kudave namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. I'll read the English of the, uh, the verses. We'll see if we can uh, get a little light uh, from this 
section of uh, the 11th chapter. I'll start with text 35 on page 580. Sanjaya said to Dhritarashtra, O king, after hearing these words from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the trembling Arjuna offered obeisance with folding hands again and again. He fearfully spoke to Lord Krishna in a faltering voice as follows. Arjuna said, O master of the senses, the world becomes joyful upon hearing your name, and thus everything becomes attached to you. I'm sorry, everyone becomes attached to you. Although the perfected beings offer you their respective homage, the demons are afraid and they flee here and there. All this is rightly done. O great one, greater than even Brahma, you are the original creator. Why then should they not offer their respectful obeisances unto you? O limitless one, God of gods, refuge of the universe, you are the invincible source, the cause of all causes, transcendental to this material manifestation. The you are the original personality of Godhead, the oldest, the ultimate sanctuary of this manifested cosmic world. You are the knower of everything, and you are all that is knowable. You are the supreme refuge above the material modes, O limitless form. This whole cosmic manifestation is pervaded by you. You are air, and you are the supreme controller. You are fire, you are water, and you are the moon. You are Brahma, the first living creature. And you are the great grandfather. I therefore offer my respectful obeisances unto you a thousand times and again and yet again. Obeisances you to you from the front, from behind, and from all sides. O unbounded power, you are the master of limitless might. You are all-pervading, and thus you are everything. Thinking of you as my friend, I have rashly addressed you, O Krishna, O Yadava, O my friend. Not knowing your glories, please forgive whatever I have done in madness or in love. I have dishonored you many times, jesting as we relaxed, lay on the same bed or sat or ate together, sometimes alone and sometimes in front of many friends. Oh, infallible one, please excuse me for all those offenses. You are the father of this cosmic, complete cosmic manifestation of the moving and of the non-moving. You are its worshipful chief, the supreme spiritual master. No one is equal to you, nor can anyone be one with you. How then could there be anyone greater than you within the three worlds, O Lord of immeasurable power? You are the supreme Lord. You are worshipable by every living being. Thus I fall down to offer my respectful obeisances and ask you mercy. As a father tolerates the impudence of, a, of his son, a friend the impertinence of a friend, and a wife the familiarity of her partner, please tolerate the wrongs I may have done you. After seeing this universal form, which I have never seen before, I am gladdened, but at the same time my mind is disturbed with fear. Therefore, please bestow your grace upon me and reveal again your form as the personality of Godhead, O Lord of Lords, O abode of the universe. 
O universal form, O thousand-armed Lord, I wish to see you in your four-armed form, with helmeted head and with club, wheel, conch, and lotus flower in your hands. I long to see you in that form. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, My dear Arjuna, happily have I shown you by my internal potency this supreme universal form within the material world. No one before you has ever seen this primeval form, primal form, unlimited and full of glaring effulgence. O best of the Kuru warriors, no one before you has ever seen this universal form of mine, for neither by studying the Vedas, nor by performing sacrifices, nor by charity, nor by pious activities, nor by severe penances, can I be seen in this form in the material world. You have been perturbed and bewildered by seeing this horrible feature of mine. Now let it be finished. My devotee, be free again from all disturbances. With a peaceful mind, you can now see the form you desire. It's, it's quite amazing when you think about it that Arjuna is seeing this universal form, which is basically a form which allowed Arjuna to recognize how the Lord's various energies emanate from Krishna and are spread throughout the universe under his personal direction. How all the various demigods and all the various incarnations of the Supreme Lord and all of the shaktis, the various potencies of the Lord and the modes of material nature and all glorious and wondrous things are actually coming from that Supreme Lord. And he saw this as a very dazzling display, brighter than, what does it say, millions of suns. It's nothing that the material senses could perceive. For us, one sun in the sky, can you imagine the whole sky filled with suns? Our eyes couldn't tolerate the brightness. So therefore, Krishna said, I'll give you divine eyes so you can perceive this universal form. Now, it's interesting to note that the universal form is this display of the universal form is not a permanent manifestation of one of the forms of the Supreme Lord. It's a temporary manifestation. Uh, it only exists for some time and then it then it's wrapped up just like the universe itself is displayed and then it is absorbed back into the Lord's form, into the Lord as Karnadakshai Vishnu. What's very amazing through these this verses we read here tonight is the fact that you can imagine Arjuna. I mean, Sanjaya is explaining here in the first verse we read, text 35, Arjuna's trembling. He's trembling. He's, he's overtaken uh, with fear. He's, he's fearful. He's like, this is beyond anything. But still, despite the fact that he's experiencing that great fear, so much so that he's, he's shaking. What do they say? Shaking in your boots? He's, he's overwhelmed. He can hardly speak. Despite that, 
still he's able to offer these prayers. He's offered to off, He's able to con- compose himself enough to offer prayers to Krishna, offer obeisances to Krishna, and, and offer those prayers and obeisances in the proper way, which is very instructive for us. Uh, you'll notice throughout Bhagavad Gita, as we're reading now, and also in Srimad Bhagavatam, any time a devotee is blessed by being able to see the Lord face to face, the first thing that happens is an offering of prayers to the Lord, an appreciation according to the ability to the, of the devotee. And sometimes you could imagine a devotee can be, he may not have the, the qualification to offer nice prayers. He may not have that ability. He may not be well-versed in, in Scripture. He may not know how to compose a suitable prayer for the Lord. But even in that situation, the Supreme Lord himself uh, provides the necessary facility uh, to his devotee. And he mentions that in Bhagavad Gita. I carry what they have and I provide what they lack. We note in Srimad Bhagavatam, in the story of Dhruva Maharaj, uh, Dhruva Maharaj was a young boy. So he had no real, he went to the forest at a very young age uh, under the advice of his mother that if, if, you, if you want to obtain a kingdom, if you, if you want to counteract this insult of your mother-in-law, Dhruva Maharaj was, you know, he wanted... He wanted to be king, and uh, of course his circumstance was such that he was the offspring of the not-so-favored wife. So therefore the favored son, who is the offspring of the favored wife, uh, he was sitting on the lap of the king, and not Dhruva Maharaj. And uh, Dhruva was very upset. Why why, why would I I not be treated equally. And his stepmother said, well, it's okay, you could be treated equally after you die and come back in my womb. Imagine the insult. Yeah, you could be treated equally, but first you die and you could be born of my womb, then the king will acknowledge you because I'm the favorite wife. You can imagine the, the political intrigue. That's kind of a, a heavy insult. He was a young boy. He was only, what, five years old? He went to his mother, and his mother said, I can't, what can I do? The king doesn't love me as dearly as he does uh, your stepmother. But I've heard that if you take shelter of the Supreme Lord, he can fulfill all desires. He can rectify all situations. So Dhruva uh, said, okay, I'll do that. Where, where can I find this Lord? Oh, his mother said, I've heard that he resides in the forest, that the great sages find him there. Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> At five years old, Dhruva goes off to the forest, and he, uh, he seeks out the Supreme Lord. And, of course, any time any of us within the material world, no matter what drives us to a point of wanting to have audience with the Supreme Lord and have his shelter and have his mercy and compassion and protection, 
whatever prompts us to that to that end, Krishna in the heart, he takes notice. And when he takes he, when he sees our sincerity, even that our motive may not be pure, but if our if we're sincere in our attempt to to make contact, then he sends the bona fide spiritual master. Dhruva Maharaj, by chance, Narada Muni, that transcendental space band, he comes by and he gives further instruction to Dhruva Maharaj as to how to, uh, first he said, maybe you should go home, come back later. Uh, no, I won't hear it. No, there's nothing for me there. Whatever you have, I'll take that instruction now and, and, and employ it in my life now. No, you're too young. No, I'm not too young. Believe me. I want this. He gave him instruction. He blessed him. And uh, Dhruva Maharaj uh, performed his austerities according to the instruction of his spiritual master. Just as the spiritual master, he's always giving some instruction according to time, place, and circumstance, according to the, uh, the qualification of the, of the disciple. In our situation, the spiritual master asked for a little bit of of uh, abstinence from certain sinful activity and chanting Hare Krishna and associating with devotee and eating as much prasadam as we can. And that's all he says. You do this, you'll make advancement. Later he may give some further instruction. So Dhruva, he received his instruction and he meditated according to Narada Muni's direction. And even at that young age, you can imagine, it kind of it won Krishna's heart. He showed himself. He manifested before Dhruva even at that young age. Dhruva didn't have any background in offering prayers. He didn't know how, how to offer a prayer to God, but he was, you know, of course he bowed down. And uh, so therefore Krishna, he, understanding uh, Dhruva's predicament, uh, he touched him his conch shell to his head. And immediately all the imports, all full understanding of Vedic knowledge flooded his life. He knew immediately. And then he could offer appropriate prayers. We can see here, even in this circumstance, Krishna has given Arjuna, despite the fact that he's trembling, despite the fact that he's fearful, despite the fact that he's, his voice is faltering because of the, the overwhelming spectacle that uh, Krishna's uh, given him, He's able to offer these prayers. The prayers are, are, are quite instructive and they, they pertain to Krishna's manifestation of energy throughout the material world. But it's interesting that Krishna's, Arjuna's opening statement is, O master of the senses, the world becomes joyful upon hearing your name. Harinama. Just by hearing your name, the whole world becomes joyful. Just like at the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when he manifested in the material world, there was a, a you know solar eclipse. Everyone was chanting, and everyone became overwhelmed with ecstatic symptoms when, when Lord Chaitanya appeared. And by the holy name, Arjuna goes on to say, and everyone becomes attached to you. They become joyful and they become attached. That's the result of chanting Krishna's name. We become joyful. We become attached to Krishna. Except for one class of men. The demons, 
They're afraid. They run. They're so envious that they do not find joy in Krishna's splendor. They do not find joy in Krishna's manifestations, any of them. They're bewildered. They're frightened. They run in fear because this is an interference with my position. This person, this personality, this holy name, this is going to ruin everything for me. I thought I was God. I thought my name attracted everybody. I thought everyone was fearful of me. I'm trying to enjoy this world. I don't want to hear it. This is going to interfere with my whole program, this God thing. This chanting of Hare Krishna is going to really mess things up for me. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to, to get my way. I'm going to have to, to, you know, to serve someone else and not have people serve me. I'm not going to be able to exploit. Because in the transcendental realm, in the devotional realm, everything is service. Unfortunately for the demoniac, from the demons, for those that run away from Krishna, who, 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 who run away from the holy name of the Lord, and we've actually seen it. If you you know if you've ever if you've ever gone out on a, a chanting party, Hari Nam party with the devotees, they'll go in the street and they'll chant just so people can hear Krishna's name. Just hearing that name is so beneficial, and the devotees know the benefit of Krishna's name, and they realize that just people can go by and hear the name, then they're going to be benefited. That's the beginning of their spiritual life. Ultimately, the miseries of material existence will be eradicated for those individuals who hear the holy name. It may take some time. But you notice sometimes when you're out on Harinam, certain people will come and they'll see the devotee and they'll turn around and head the other way. They'll run to the other side of the street. They'll do anything to avoid Krishna's holy name. Arjuna points that out here in this verse. And then more prayers regarding Krishna's you know, supreme position, that he's the original creator. Within the material universe, of course, everyone is looking to Brahma, Brahma, everything manifested from Brahma's body. But behind Brahma, the source of Brahma is Krishna. He's the true refuge, not the temporary demigods. Again, a lot of these uh, uh, verses are ex expressing the various uh, vibhutis, opulences of the Supreme Lord, uh, just as in the last chapter, which is, uh, you know, that, that is the actual title of that, that chapter, Vibhuti Yoga. Arjuna's offering his obeisances, and then he, then he asks forgiveness. Text 41 and 42, he's offered prayers to the Supreme Lord and then he gets to, after we offer prayers to the Lord, then we can ask for some, we can inquire from him what we actually, why we've actually approached him. 41 and 42, Arjuna gets to the point. He's offered his prayers and then he says, thinking of you as my friend, I have rashly addressed you, O Krishna, O Yadava, O my friend. 
not knowing your glories, please forgive whatever my, I may have done in madness or in love. I have dishonored you many times, jesting as we relaxed, lay on the same bed or sat or ate together, sometimes alone and sometimes in front of many friends. O infallible one, please excuse me for all those offenses. So at this point, Arjuna is, has adopted a complete mentality of servitude. And in that servitude to the Supreme, his overwhelming relationship with God has been temporarily suspended. Arjuna is, is, his relationship with Krishna is that of friendship, loving friendship. But now he's overwhelmed with, with seeing the universal form and he realizes, wow, this friendship thing, well, I never realized you were, I mean, I knew you were God, but not like this. I never really knew how powerful, how unlimitedly, how, how everything, I never, I, it just never, I never, and there's a reason it never. Because that reverential mood of awe that is the primary characteristic of those in servitude to the Supreme Lord, of the residents of Vaikuntha, uh, that particular mode of worship, that loving exchange with the Lord, is, is not on such an intimate level. And it's, it's in a mood of awe and reverence at every moment. And those devotees who are in that mood of loving devotional service to the Supreme Lord, they're completely satisfied in that mood. Now, Arjuna is in a different mood. He's in a, in a more intimate relationship with God, a mood of friendship. And all the various devotees of the Lord who have crossed over the ocean of material existence, even if they're residing still in the material world or they're with Krishna with, in the Vaikuntha realm, all the various devotees, in order to exchange loving sentiment with the Lord, Krishna's potency of maya has to bewilder them so that they can fully exchange that love with the Lord. That same potency bewilders us in the material world into thinking that everything's about us, that everything's for our enjoyment, that everything's here uh, to give me pleasure. Everything's here for me to exploit. When, it, when Krishna's energy is used in that capacity to bewilder us due to our ignorance of our spiritual nature, of our true spiritual life, it's referred to as Mahamaya. That same, that same aspect of the Lord's potency, which bewilders us in contact with the material energy, when it comes to those devotees who have become free of the material energy, who have given up the sense of exploitation and renunciation and taken on a full sense of loving servitude and purified themselves of all unwanted, all unwanted tendencies due to material life, once they've become purified, 
that energy of the Lord that was once the complete, complete bewildering factory, factor in our thinking, I'm this body, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a black, I'm a white, I'm a, I'm a god, I'm a dog, I'm this material body, when the body's dead, I'm dead. All those bewildering potencies of the Lord that Maya exerts, Mahamaya exerts, there's also an internal potency, an internal Maya, which is called Yoga Maya, which works also to bewilder. But that bewilderment is to facilitate loving exchange with Krishna. Unless somebody was just like Arjuna in seeing Krishna's universal form, in seeing that form, it's very difficult for Arjuna, after seeing that form, to do anything but just be in, in complete, he's completely repentant. That I have acted in friendship with you in such an intimate way. He's just like, wow, please forgive me. I never, I never, I never really thought about. I never realized how, how much you are God. I kind of, you know, accepted you were God, but wow, I never realized how much you do, how powerful you are, how all-pervasive you are, how everything that I see in this world is actually your energy and is coming from you and is completely under your control. Everything. Forgive me. Please. Luckily for devotees who have a relationship with Krishna, yoga maya, that internal maya, bewilders the devotee so that the nurturing, loving relationship with God can be fully experienced without hindrance of the Supreme Lord's all-encompassing energies. Does that make sense? A little bit of bewilderment has to be there. So, yoga maya is an internal, um, that means spiritual, internal energy is a spiritual energy? Yes. Okay, so there's material maya and spiritual maya? Mm-hmm. Spiritual Maya allows us to have a to inter to relate with Krishna intimately, and it, it covers over his his majesty, and his his opulences, and the and the and the complete sense of awe and reverence that one would have in the presence of the Lord, and the influence of that that internal Maya allows one to have a relationship with God either as friend or as servant or as, uh, you know, mother, parental relationship, father, older older residents of Vrindavan. I'm a little confused. Is, is Mahamaya and Yoga Maya the same? Insofar that all the energies are coming from Krishna are the same, but it's not, one is used, 
the one potency is in the material world. Her influence is within the material world. And the other potency, Yoga Maya, her potency is exhibited uh, in the spiritual world. And also, it's, it's, it's also, it's also, whenever there's a relationship between the devotee and Krishna, that's no longer the material world. Right. Even if, it, if they're in the material world. So, that's also here in the material world when there's when the devotee and Krishna is. So Mahamaya just is the same means the same as as Maya. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when we say Maya, when when devotees refer to Maya, they're generally referring to okay. the material Maya. Okay. Yeah. Generally speaking. Okay. I'll point it out when it's Krishna's internal Maya. Mm-hmm. It gives us some some insight into. The dealings of the Supreme Lord and his, his most intimate devotees. That's our aspiration. Our aspiration is to is to get out of the influence of Krishna's external Maya, and hopefully Krishna will, will use his internal Maya so that we can have some relationship with him. Hopefully we will be invited in. But this is not something that we are, the position of the devotee is always with the sadhaka. He is also always practicing under the direction of the spiritual master. And although we may aspire for those things, we wait for a natural change of the heart. Now, there is a class of so-called devotees, imitationists, who think that they can immediately jump to an intimate relationship to the, with the Lord, uh, simply with the the feeble powers of their mind and intellect, they think that hearing of the relationships of friendship, of of parental affection, of conjugal affection with God, they immediately think, well, yeah, that's who I am. I'm spirit soul, and I'm reading in in. I'm reading here in the scripture that these are the this is how you relate to God. So all I have to do is is wrap my mind around that concept and pretend that I'm there and eventually I'll get, you know, I'll I'll be able to experience that. The imitationists unfortunately will never be able to reach the transcendental realm unless they take shelter of the pure devotee and the bona fide process of devotional service. We have to advance step by step. We can't immediately jump to the topmost platform and assert ourselves. Relationship with the Supreme Lord is not one of our asserting ourselves. That's just a foolish continuation of our exploitive nature that we think we can exploit a relationship with the God, the way the Supreme Lord, the way we've exploited and received everything in this material realm. Those the so-called devotees, those imitationists, are referred to as sahajiyas. The primary focus of our spiritual grandfather and great-grandfather, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada's spiritual master, the primary focus of his preaching effort in during his time, and he preached in India. He did not venture abroad. 
His main task was to eliminate these imitations. And it's important that, that we assure that we never try to, to think, well, the highest position in Vrasa, a relationship with God, is a gopi. So let me pretend I'm a gopi. Then I'll become a gopi. Those kind of relationships, we have to have the qualification. And we will be invited once the qualification is there. So do the imitationists lack Krishna's mercy to become an advanced They They do not take advantage of Krishna's mercy. Krishna's mercy, yasya prasadad bhagavat prasado, yasya prasadad dhaktaki kutopi. By the mercy of the spiritual master, one makes all advancement in spiritual life. A bona fide spiritual master will never recommend this imitationist path. They do not take advantage of the direction of the spiritual master to go step by step gradually to the topmost platform. They want to jump like a monkey. Let me jump up. We do not jump up. So they, unfortunately, they rob themselves of the benefit of Krishna's mercy, which is taking the instructions of the spiritual master to heart and following those perfectly. If we take that approach, that's the sure approach. And that will give us the proper results.